Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. He looked at me. I have been his patient for more than 20 years. And he said, this is really strange. You're an African-American, age 57. I've never seen this before. This back pain that you're continually having with no signs of osteoporosis. No signs, exactly. And I didn't have any signs of osteoporosis in my family history. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. With each mortgage-free home, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation delivers on its promise to do good and never forget the sacrifices America's greatest heroes have made for us. Heroes that put their lives on the line for all of us, risking their lives for our country and our communities. These heroes need your help now more than ever. Help America's heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. What is going on, Belly Up Sports fame? It's your boy, Parker Ainsworth, here with another edition of FN Sports, the podcast where teachers grade sports' biggest issues. Today, after what was a crazy and wild week in the NBA, to say the least. We've got a number of NBA playoff and offseason theses headed your way with a special guest, a substitute teacher of sorts. I'd say from Virginia, but he's really kind of from Austin, but he's kind of also from Detroit, so he's been a little bit all over. But without further ado, let's jump in. All right, we are joined here with Evan Jackson, Evan, who describes himself as a professional podcast guest, Evan Jackson. How are you doing today, Evan? Doing great, doing great. How are you doing? Thank you for having <laughs> I'm good. So, Evan, correct me on the details here if I'm wrong, but you are a teacher in about to be in Austin, Texas for the second time, spent some time in Virginia, spent some time in Dallas, been a little bit all over, a little bit of PE, a little bit of elementary school, a little bit of early childhood. You've done a little bit of everything. Yeah, I've jumped around quite a bit trying to kind of figure out where my my niche is. I think I've got it now, but it took me a minute to kind of figure out where I want to work. Um, I know I want to work in a school, just kind of figuring that out. But yeah, heading back to Austin in the fall. Really, really excited. About good deal, good deal. And Evan is a basketball fan and uh, we'll say former player, although I'm sure you'd you'd say that the pickup games you're involved in are pretty high-level basketball. Um, <laughs> we're... Uh, sh- sure. sure. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to dive in with some NBA takes after a crazy week in the NBA. And the NBA playoffs are in the middle of We just watched a great Suns and Clippers game, so we'll dive right in. Our first thesis for this week involves the Dallas Mavericks, which is, I guess, hometown here as I sit here in Dallas, Texas. The thesis reads, Luka Doncic won't be a Maverick in 2025. That is the middle of what would be his next contract. Evan, you hear that thesis and you think what? I'm, I, I gotta go with like a, I'm thinking like a B for that one. Like a B for that one. Interesting. I think I'm going to sit at like an A minus, which I think means we're probably fairly close, but I'm anxious to hear what what your hold is. 
All right, Evan, you were at a B. Talk us through your yes. reasoning. What what's got you at a B? I think like right, like right now, like I'm giving. I would give a lower grade right now. I'm at a B because I think right now it's it's like everything's building up to him leaving. Like he's apparently he's unhappy. Like the GM he likes, Arthur GM. The, um, was it the GM that got that leaves? Yeah, coach leaves. Like I don't think he was unhappy, and a lot of people left. And so I think that that's the reason why he might be leaving. However. I think long term, like the Mavs have shown, they'll bring in a superstar. The, the Mavs have shown they'll spend money to go get people. They they spent money on Porzingis. It didn't work out. I think they're gonna try to trade and get rid of him and bring Luca another another kind of a Robin to his Batman. And I think that'll keep him there. Plus, like you're living in Dallas, there's no state income tax. You're gonna get the most money from there. And I don't think that Mark Cuban's the kind of person that's gonna trade someone like Luca. Like once he signs that supermax, which he's gonna sign that supermax, it's too much money. I don't think he's gonna leave after that. Like. Like and, I, and I, unless like Mark Cuban just says we're not spending money, but that's not as he spends money to bring people in and win, like try to win. And I think that he's got to keep doing that and to make Luca happy. Well, I think it's interesting too because the thesis phrases it in 2025, so it's like assuming that something happens before like the middle of the next contract, right? Because I think yeah. we're both in agreement that like there are 202 or whatever it is million reasons to sign the next contract. Like that, <laughs> absolutely. That just makes too much sense. But this idea that like he does seem to be unhappy with a lot of things, whether it's there's talk that he and Porzingis don't get along, right? Porzingis is unhappy with his role, and you could argue that the on court fit was not great. Uh, he butted heads with Rick Carlisle, and I think that Rick Carlisle is a fairly well-appreciated coach across much of the league, but he and Luca did not get along. He's had his issues with management, and I thought it was interesting. They got rid of Donnie Nelson, the GM for the last 23 years, but did not get rid of Bob Volgaris necessarily, although there was some report from Kevin O'Connor that he may be on his way out as well, which is a little topsy-turvy to me. I, I look at the roster the last couple of years, and I'm interested in something you said. You said Mark Cuban spends money on people, and I think that's interesting, but I have trouble naming a lot of free agents. He seems to go after a lot of trades for people. I don't necessarily think of them as a big free agency destination. Do you? No, because I, I don't think that's on. I don't think it's because Mark Cuban won't spend money. I think it's because, like, when you got LA, New York, like, there's, like they're not a top. They're, they're probably, like, the fifth best place to go play. Like, maybe. Like, you got L.A., New York, um, Chicago might even be a, a equal. Not, I mean, not, besides state income tax, like the market. I just don't know that, like, people want to go to Dallas necessarily. Um, not because of Mark Cuban or because of the team, but because, like, if, if you can go somewhere else, like L.A. or New York, why would you go to Dallas? Well, and the state uh, income tax thing, is, so the five teams that have that to their benefit would be the three teams in Texas, right? Dallas, San Antonio, Houston, and then in Florida, you got Miami and Orlando. And the team yeah. that capitalizes on the most on that to me has been Miami, right? Miami's 100%, 100%. always been South Beach. They've got the that lifestyle and the no state income tax thing. Do you think Luka Doncic is the kind of guy that can pull someone in on his own accolades as a player the same way Milwaukee wants to do with Giannis or any of these other small markets hope that their players do? I, I think he can in Dallas. I think if he was like in Milwaukee, like, no, not a chance. I want to move Milwaukee. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, but like Dallas is good enough to where like you'd be okay like you'd be okay living there. You're not going to move to, like, Milwaukee. You're not going to move to Indiana. You'd move to, like, Dallas. Like, it's not a bad place to live. You know, I, I think that that his skill set and the way he moves the ball, because there's times he needs the ball in his hands, but you get a guy like Clay Thompson, a catch-and-shoot shooter, or a guy that plays a little off the ball to pair with him that's not Porzingis, I think that's a really good fit. I think some guys would be interested in playing with him in Dallas. Well, and so I think we both agree that him staying is contingent on he's not going to sit around and lose a bunch of games. Like, he he is a winner from his days in Europe. 
he is a winner. You can tell in watching him play in Dallas, like in his last three seasons, right? Like he is just a guy that cares about winning and he's not going to settle for a lot of this losing nonsense. But it's not just a one-man show, right? He has to have the right guys around him. Yes. What guys do you think that, that like, realistically, because obviously it's like, well, they could use Steph Curry and, Clint and Kevin Durant. Like, yeah, that'd be great. But what guys do you think realistically <laughs> they could bring in that would help them do that? Like, what kind of role player do you see? Um, if they could get, like, like a, a knock, like a Tyler Hero, like a knockdown shooter who's developing, who's young enough, where he's not going to be good right away, but can still build some skill set and play and play with the ball in his hands as well, get his own shot a little bit. Um, hopefully he develops more in that sense. But he, they, Luka needs a guy that can catch the ball and knock down shots. Like he needs a guy that where you can't just help off that guy and go double team Luka when he drives in the paint or makes a move. Like he needs guys that can catch and shoot. I think it was dumb that they got, they let Seth Curry go. I think that was idiotic uh, because I think he's a great fit on that team. Um, and you can see he's killing it in Philadelphia now. So I think that maybe a guy like Hero and a guy that you can realistically get. Like I don't think it's unreasonable to try to get Tyler Hero. You're not getting like Clay, like Clay Thompson. I think is better. You're not getting Clay Thompson. You're not gonna get Clay Thompson. I think a guy like Dame, but he needs the ball too much a little bit. I don't know who do you, who do you think that like would be a good pair? Like I'm I'm thinking someone that play that can play off ball, catch and shoot well, but can also get their own shot. Well, which is not a, you mentioned yeah. Dame. I wonder if CJ McCollum. I think the Portland thing's gonna blow up at some point. I wonder if CJ McCollum be a good guy. Honestly, um, Ooh, I like that. I like that. A good shooter. I will say Tyler here would be funny because they could start Kristaps, Maxi. Luca, JJ, and Tyler Hero, and have the all-white starting lineup in the NBA. Like that's very Marquis was dream right there. <laughs> <laughs> like, like Tyler Hero was the first name, and I think that's a great pick, right? A young guy, inexpensive, and he he's a, you know does a lot of things you're talking about. They they got rid of Seth Curry for Josh Richardson, and it it doesn't seem like it's worked out very well. Is that and if you know Kristaps Porzingis wasn't All Star, obviously he had the big injury, and it hasn't worked out so well. Is there something about playing with Luca? You think, or is that just those guys had other things going on? I think it, it's other things going on. I definitely think Porzingis is, is injury. Like I think that like now he's at the point where like he's so afraid to get hurt doing a move. Like he's not playing the way he wants to play. Like he can't. He's gotten hurt every, every season the last like five seasons. So he's not he's not reliable. And I think that he's he's. I don't think he's gonna be able to reach that peak that we saw in New York ever again. I don't think he's gonna be able to do that. Um, and, and on top of that, he's, the chemistry isn't there. I think that the you could argue the chemistry part is playing with Luca, but I think that the bigger part of it is definitely the the injuries and not being able to play through them and be consistent and being on the court. So we were both high on this thesis, and to this point, we've talked about ways that he would end up staying. So yeah. let's be honest, we were both high on it, so we don't think necessarily that this is a great chance that he does stay. What what do you think would be the move? Is he going to make a big mess? Is it just going to be time to blow up the Mavs, or what's going on? I don't I don't think. He doesn't strike me as the kind of guy to go to the media and make a mess up. He strikes me as the kind of guy that goes to Mark Cuban behind the door and says, look, man, you got to get me out of here. You got to get me out of here. And I think that Mark Cuban, if, if Mark Cuban knows and understands, like, look, man, I got to trade him. I'm going to get nothing for him. Then you, you, you trade him. And, like, we've seen with James Harden, like, you can't keep a guy. Like, I think if Mark Cuban doesn't trade him and refuses to, then we see James Harden part two where it's like, oh, I'm, I'm going to leave whether you want me to or not. I'm out of here. <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's just, you know. <laughs> there's a there's a lot of Luka Doncic James Harden comparisons, right? Both in how they play, the style they play. Luka's obviously better at a younger age, right? Like James Harden was not yeah. doing these kinds of things at 21, 22 years old. But the the idea that he had the same kind of press conference where he just says in if we're being honest, broken English, hey, I need out of here. <laughs> like that that would be yeah. that'd be really funny. We're not good enough. 
<laughs> I also think it's interesting because, like, you don't think of these guys, whether it's Kawhi Leonard in San Antonio or Kevin Durant in Oklahoma City, like, they aren't the kind of guys that jump town until they do. So I don't want to sound, like, super immature or naive to say he doesn't strike me as that either. But I don't – I think he is too media savvy to do it that publicly. I could totally see yeah. him going to Mark Cuban behind the scenes. Oh, man, listen, Mark, this is over. He's been a professional since he was 15 years old, right? Like, I don't think he's the kind of yeah. guy that's going to go do a press conference and say, get me out of here. I, don't, I also think that, like, we're talking about him, him leaving. I, I think if they can't move that Porzingis contract, which is going to be hard to do because, what, he got three years left? I think around, like, 100. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not, a I'm lot not, of money for yeah, not a lot I of think he's too, Yeah, I think, he, like, it's going to be hard to trade him. You're not going to trade him and get a star back. That's not going to happen. And, and, and who wants that contract? Like, like who would want? Porzingis right now. <laughs> like, like, like why like, like no like, like he's, he's still a good player let's be honest but like he's not gonna get you a championship you don't want you don't gotta build around him so like what do you want him for and he's he's publicly not happy with his role and I don't know what other role he can do right now not not much what 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 championship level team can he get an attitude that makes them better without him getting mad I don't think there's any <laughs> like even you talk about Cheezy McCollum let's say you try to trade him for Cheezy McCollum that doesn't make the Blazers better I don't think <laughs> I don't I don't no, so you I, take away another guy that can get his own shot. I haven't seen anybody get his own shot in two years. Obviously, this is far down the road, right? We're looking at like the summer of twenty-five. He's in the middle of a second contract, making a lot of money. Where would like what kinds of roles? Obviously, talk about guys he could bring into Dallas. What kinds of places do you, is he a guy that's going to New York City for the bright lights? Like, what are you thinking Luca would be doing at that point? All right, all right, ready for this take, Parker? <laughs> what you got? He he requests, he demands a trade. To LA, I, I see him going to LA. I would like to see him go to LA and be like LeBron 2.0. Like he's gonna re- replace LeBron on the Lakers and be that new centerpiece with AD. He's one two. I think that would be a great way to follow footsteps, build a legacy. I think that would be great. And he's in LA, which is nice. And he's in LA. He would be carrying the yeah. torch. I I honestly think that they control it in very different ways, but the ways that he and LeBron control a game are similar enough that there's some crossover there. I don't know when this LeBron thing ends, but if he's still playing in 2025, that's like the most unprecedented thing. <laughs> like, that's wild uh, to be passionate I mean, it, towards it depends like on like, yeah, it depends on like, does he want to be one of those guys that like is clearly not as good, but still trying to jump in the NBA? Um, or is he like, look, once I'm done, once I'm out of my prime and not like dominant, I'm retiring. You know, like that's what Kobe did. Like, he's like, I'm not dominant anymore. I'm retiring. You know, I, I, I think LeBron could, I, I've heard him like talk briefly, like jokingly kind of like about playing the NBA with his son. I think that actually could be real goal for him. Like just to make it to his son makes a year in the NBA, which who knows? That's a, I don't know if his son's one and done, but I think that might be a goal of his. And the way he takes care of his body, like this is the first time we've seen him like really bothered by an injury to the point where like it affected him on the court. That's not normal for him. And he's, what, he's 37, like 36? That's that's late. So I think that he's going to have a whole summer to recover um, and be able to not necessarily dominate the way he used to, but prolong his career. And I think he could play 2025. Okay, Parker. So the thesis statement for this commercial is James Harden has the best beard in sports. What do you think about that thesis statement? Oh, I give it an A. You know, as a Houston guy, we, we seem to have an affinity for our beards between guys like him, Dallas Keiko, lots of big beards in the Houston area. What do you think about the thesis? So I'm a Jets fan, and I absolutely love the beard that Ryan Fitzpatrick has. So maybe I would give Ryan Fitzpatrick the nod over James Harden. But you're talking to a couple of bearded teachers, and we know a thing or two about making sure that you maintain that mane. So check out the beard struggle. The beard struggle, they make oils, they make bombs, they even have have this heated comb to make sure that you get your beard straight so that you're looking fresh. I know I've really enjoyed using the 
oil they make for my quarantine beard of sorts. It's nice and long these days, but it'll <laughs> keep it nice and healthy and hydrated. And if you're listening to our show, you can use FN Sports 15 and get 15% off your oils, your balms, your shampoos, conditioners, whatever you need to use to keep your beard looking healthy. Absolutely. Check out The Beard Struggle at thebeardstruggle.com. Whether you're just starting to grow or you have a luscious mane already, The Beard Struggle's got all the products that you need. The Beard Struggle. Feast your face. All right. Mr. Jackson, as we sit here with our next thesis, we just talked some about one star heading to L.A., so I guess it's time to talk about two stars that will not be playing in L.A., or maybe by Game 3, who knows. We just finished watching Game 1 of the Western Conference Finals before we started recording this. We were texting back and forth. It was quite a game. The Suns came out on top in a close game. Devin Booker with a 40-point triple-double. Uh, first triple-double of his career, which is like a great time to have that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so our thesis reads, Kawhi's absence is a bigger issue than Chris Paul's in the Western Conference Finals. They were both notably absent, so which one do you think is a bigger deal, Evan? I'm going to give that take an A, but only because you said Western Conference Finals. <laughs> All right. I'm thinking it's also pretty high on the list. I'm going to think like an A-, minus, and I don't mean to sound like I'm you know, an easy grader or something, but I think that's an A- minus thesis. So now, Evan, you were really high on this one. You gave this thesis an A, and you specified about the Western Conference Finals part of this. Tell us what you mean. I mean, I think in the finals, if they're going up against, like, the Bucks or 76ers, who I think they'll likely be, I think you need Chris Paul. Like, I don't – like, let's not kid ourselves. You need Chris Paul I think, on that team to beat one of those two teams, in my opinion. Maybe you don't, but I, I think that to have your best shot, you want him on the court. However, against the Clippers, who I do not think are as quite as good as the 76ers or – the Bucks, and I kind of think they played it that way this season. I don't think you need them. I mean, like, especially given like the fact that they won Game One today without Chris Paul. <laughs> so like that already gives them a like, bit. They already won one without him. Kawhi's absence, especially on the defensive end. Like if if they put Kawhi on Booker, he still might have forty, but it's not nearly as easy as it was today. <laughs> like like it's not it's not the same. Like Kawhi's supposed to be one of the best defenders of all time, one of the greats. You put him on Booker, and so that but that that at least hinders Booker somewhat. You know. And I think that is that you need you need to slow down Booker to, to to be able to beat them. And you add Chris Paul back in the game because uh, I think he'll be back before Kawhi's back. You're gonna need Kawhi to guard Booker because that ball movement's gonna be a lot more frequent when Chris Paul's there. And you're gonna have to guard Chris Paul in addition to having to deal with Devin Booker like you're already doing. And they can't deal with Devin Booker now, so they definitely <laughs> need Kawhi back to 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 do something. They can't deal with him now. I think it's interesting too if you look at this like in looking at the box score from again recording on Sunday and look at the box score from today's game. Both teams hit their bench at the same rate, really, if you're looking at like minutes played by the bench. If anything, the Clippers had the extra guy. But I would argue they need it from a depth perspective, too. Like Obviously, Kawhi Leonard and Chris Paul were both on respective all-NBA teams this year. But as far as the depth goes, superstar aside, just having another playable guy at a wing rotation, they were at one point running out there with several point guards, with Rondo and uh, Reggie Jackson on the floor at the same time, or they're out there with Beverly and Reggie Jackson out there at the same time. And it's like, that's too little of a lineup to me to have two little guards like that, whereas you had a Kawhi Leonard, another wing guy, just from a size perspective, it would help a lot more. Whereas the Suns, without Chris Paul, like, does campaign get a little bit more minutes? Yeah. 
Do they play with Devin Booker the point for a little bit longer? Yeah, but they really they can cover it up a lot better. Yeah, I also think that like when you're guarding the Clippers, like if there's no Kawhi Leonard, you really got to focus on Paul George. Like if you're telling me that like we lock down Paul George and that Reggie Jackson's next man up, like good luck beating us <laughs> with Reggie Jackson as your as your as your Robin. Yeah, like yeah, they beat the Jazz who choked completely, but like I don't think Reggie Jackson gets it done. Like I saw him in Detroit. I mean, apparently when you leave Detroit, you get twice as good. But I don't think that Reggie Jackson, as a as a as a second best player, does it for you. I don't think it does. And you're not going to get another forty point game out of man. That wasn't. That's not going to happen again. So, or you can't you can't assume it's going to happen again. So I think that you do need a guy that can get his own shot, take pressure off Paul George. I will say though, it is it is like interesting to see how much better Paul George plays without Kawhi Leonard on the court. There's also that dynamic of like it's like oh you it's like oh you remember how to play basketball in the playoffs again. Like it's amazing that now Kawhi's hurt. You're like, all right, I'm going to start playing for real. So it's, it's 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 weird, but I think at the end of the day, Kawhi means a lot to that team. They they That team is his team, and they need him there to stop a high-scoring team. Well, and so in game six of the second round of playoffs, Terrence Mann that went off for 39 points in the ceiling game six. I think it's worth pointing out that today he just had, was it nine points? Yeah, nine points. You know, efficient shooting, three or three from three-point line, but nine points. And that's a big difference because then it's like you're saying – they really are limited to two scores. They had Reggie Jackson put in 24. Paul George pulled up with 34. Their next highest score was DeMarcus Cousins with 11. And he was not even really in the rotation in the previous round. And so I thought that was an interesting play by them. They just don't have the same way to fill up the stat sheet. Whereas if you're going to make point Devin Booker get a triple-double, that really fills the Chris Paul role pretty well. They had... 40 out of him, 20 out of Aiton. All five starters had 10. They got uh, Cameron Johnson got 12 off the bench. Like they did very well in replacing the Chris Paul stats. If if not that everything comes down to that, but that I thought that was important. When you have six players scoring in double digits or twice as many players scoring double digits as the other team, you're gonna win most likely. <laughs> unless so, unless unless like the, the unless like those other players had like 40, 40, and 40, which they didn't because they're Reggie Jackson and Dorcas Cousins are two of those three people. And so I think that, you know, and, and part of it is like the, the Suns move the ball extremely well. And Chris Paul makes that a lot better. But even without him, they're still a good team, which is why I think that like Kawhi's more important. Like you, as you saw today, like Cameron Johnson stepped in and had what nine, I'm sorry, Cameron Payne had stepped in and had nine assists. Like that's Chris Paul-esque. Not Chris Paul, Chris Paul-esque. And so when you have that on your bench, like it's not great if he's out, but you can maintain, you can manage to be, this team, the Clippers. Well, and so I think that's interesting too, because I would argue and would have argued when they swapped for him last, whatever that was, November, I was about to say last summer, but the offseason was all wonky, that the bigger Chris Paul impact actually is the stuff that he teaches all of these young guys, right? Like the, the Suns are a bunch of young guys, Jay Crowder's like late career, and then Chris Paul's the old man, right? Like, and he's taught them things like, you know, Monty Williams did a great job. I don't mean to take away from his case at Coach of the Year. I think he was, you know, top three in voting or whatever. But Chris Paul also should have gotten votes for Coach of the Year, right? Like, he has an impact on this team whether or not he's on the floor. 100%. 100%. He's definitely made Devin Booker a lot better. I mean, you don't think that, like, he's talking to Cameron Payne even now as he's not playing? Like, he's definitely giving Cameron Payne insight. Cameron Payne wasn't putting up nine to seven. Like, I mean, he almost had a double-double today. Like, he wasn't doing any kind of stuff before. And so you, Chris Paul, I mean, you've seen it. There's like a status on ESPN like maybe two, three weeks ago on like the Thunder before he came and then after he got there and their improvement and now the Suns and when he came. So like Chris Paul clearly makes almost any team, no, I'll say any team he's been on significantly better through his play and through his mentorship. 
I think that's what we're seeing now. Like, we're seeing the mentorship parts. Because we don't see his play now, but we see how good of a mentor he's been to these guys where they can, like, they're like, all right, we don't have him for game one. We'll, we'll be all right. There was no panic in those guys. And conversely, Kawhi Leonard is, you know, known as this quiet assassin. The, the leadership is by example. So when the example is not there, it, it's hard to figure that out. But I, I also don't want to act like we're overreacting, right? Because we both did agree that Kawhi Leonard is going to be a bigger loss. However, the truth is, is that it's just game one at home for Phoenix. Like, if the Clippers win game two, it's kind of moot. And so my question to you then is, is it possible that we're overreacting because we just watched this great Phoenix team play? That, that Definitely a possibility. I think part of it's also that we know, like, like in my head at least, I, I am confident Chris Powell will be back at least by game three, at least, because he's in COVID protocol and he's vaccinated. So I think that he'll be released relatively soon. Kawhi, who for some reason never tells anyone what's going on in his life, has a knee injury, and they're like, but like, like for all we know, he tore his ACL, and no one knows about it. Like, you you don't know what for it could be a knee strain, or he could be out for the rest of the playoffs. Like that's why, like, I don't know. I have no idea of his timetable. Not one. Like he he's not gonna you know he's not gonna give any information out there. So like, for all we know, it's an ACL injury, and he can't play. And so I'm also assuming that Chris Paul will be back before Kawhi. Um, and the absence of Chris Paul in this game. In the series so far isn't as important because I don't think I don't know if Kawhi's gonna be back at all, and I know that Chris Paul will be back in this series at some point. Okay, let's say I rubbed a magic ball, Evan, and was like, "Look, the Clippers win. How would they win this series if that if that was a known outcome? How would that happen without Kawhi Leonard on the floor?" If Devin Booker retired today, <laughs> <laughs> that's the only that's the only way. Like they're not they're not gonna beat them. Like I I, I don't see it happening. Like I don't think it happens. So like a lot of people compare. The Suns to the Jazz. Like, you got Donovan Mitchell, you got Devin Booker. You got Mike Conley, you got Chris Paul. I would take Chris Paul and Devin Booker over both Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell. Like, easily. And so I think that those, like, yeah, the Clippers beat those duo kind of with Jack, uh, Conley being hurt. I don't think they beat this team. I think Devin Booker, like, is, it's, it, this is like the coming out party for, like, young guys this playoff. Like, we're seeing guys like Trey Young step up and dominate games. Devin Booker dominate games. Even Donovan Mitchell, he lost. But he averaged, like, 30, 34, 35 the whole series. Like, I don't think that the Clippers have enough without Kawhi Leonard to stop or slow down Devin Booker. And if you can't slow down Devin Booker, the way they move the ball, you can't stop better on that team. They got six guys going double digits. That's because the ball moves so well. And, like, you're guarding Devin Booker, and then Crowder hits a three. Like, oh, it's, oh man. Then Aiden gets the offensive rebound and puts it back. You can't really stop that team without shutting down their main go-to guy. And that, tonight, that was Devin Booker. Or today, that was Devin Booker. One thing that I was really impressed by in the second round was coaching moves by Ty Lue, right? Whether it was playing with the Terrence Mann minutes or his rotation of guards when Kawhi Leonard went down. I, he left a lot to me to be desired today. Is there a big move you see the Clippers making? Or is it really, like you said, like it would take Booker retiring or being suspended? Like, Is it more about Phoenix and there's not a whole lot LA can do? Uh, okay, so like based on the glimpse I saw today, if DeMarcus Cousins is somehow like still like good, uh, he can he can change the series because you got a guy that can knock down some decent shots, but if you can add him and he can play it like a I mean I don't I don't think I think it's so far fetched I don't think it'll happen but if he's like a third team NBA player now like if he, if he can like be somewhat relative to what he used to be able to do which I don't think is possible but if he could do that I think I think it opens the door a lot wider I don't think anything like I mean, yeah you got playoff Rondo but like playoff Rondo has not been playoff Rondo this year um, Patrick Beverly which like is basically a lesser version of Rondo that can't pass. Um, I don't know that anyone else on that team, on the Clippers team, can really step up besides Paul George. Like, yeah, we mentioned Reggie Jackson. 
I, I like my I, if I'm the Suns, I like my chances of Reggie Jackson being your go-to guy. And so <laughs> that's and, and, that's the scorned uh, Pistons fan in you. That's all. That. <laughs> I mean, it's just like everyone. Blake Griffin could dunk again. Like I don't. You leave the Pistons and you they owe they both owe us money back. They should pay us money back <laughs> for their time in Detroit for what they did on the court in Detroit. So can we mention this kid Luke Kennard who signed a four-year, sixty-four million dollar contract? And he played, what is this? Played eight minutes today. Why? <laughs> what? When is that going to be linked to ownership and management there? He's getting oh, paid so much money to do nothing. Why is he doing nothing? I mean, I think that's just Steve Ballmer. Like, Steve Ballmer doesn't care about money. Like, <laughs> like, like <laughs> he doesn't care about money at all. Like, he's like, all right, we'll get this guy. I mean, he has had flashes of, like, hitting some good threes and they needed it. But, like, Luke Kennard is not worth more than $4 million a year. Like, and he also also from Detroit. <laughs> in Detroit. <laughs> um, I don't. I don't know why. The I think it's one of those things that they're like, all right, like we want to get him, and like Steve Ballmer, you know how he gets all excited, probably yelling in the meeting, like, we gotta get this guy. And so they spent a bunch of money on him, and now they got Luke Kennard for for three years, They're way overpaid, <laughs> <laughs> way overpaid. Like if Kawhi leaves, like you still have Luke Kennard there. Like, <laughs> <laughs> all right, our last thesis for this NBA extravaganza involves, I guess, the winner of one of the best games of the playoffs so far, or best series of playoffs so far, in Milwaukee. So we're recording on a Sunday again. Last night, Saturday night, the Milwaukee Bucks beat the Brooklyn Nets in overtime of Game 7. A lot of extra basketball there. 115-111. to 111. A lot of highlights to touch on there. However, this thesis touches on what might be some of the lowlights for Milwaukee. Uh, the thesis reads... If Milwaukee doesn't win the title after they've already beaten Brooklyn, they need to fire Coach Budenholzer. You hear that, Mr. Jackson, and you think what? I gotta go. I'm gonna go B. I'm gonna go B on that one. Oh, that's interesting. So, I I think I've been A's across the board today because I'm also thinking high A here. I'm interested to hear what you have to say. All right, Mr. Jackson. So you went B here. So it felt like there's a little waffle in your voice. There's some high reasons, some low reasons. Talk to me. What are you thinking? Yeah, I think it depends how they lose. Like they have, like they have to make the finals. Like that. That's if they don't make the finals, fire him. Like the, after the game in the press conference, like walk out. Yo, he's done. They get his bag. But if they make the finals and play a completely healthy Suns and go to a game seven and lose a close game seven, I don't know that you fire him for that because he showed progress from last year. I also think that like if I mean, you can't really assume someone gets hurt, but if someone gets hurt. I don't think you can fire him either if they still, you know. I think they have to, unless Giannis gets hurt, they need to win the conference. Like, if they don't win the conference without, and Giannis is healthy, he gets fired. If they go to the finals and they go to a game seven and lose a close game seven to the Suns, I don't know that you take him out uh, and fire him as a coach. Or if someone gets hurt, I don't know that you fire him as a coach. But I do think if he does not make the finals or get like gets swept in the finals, or even if it's five games, like, he's fired. He's out. He's not the guy. So this is about how definitive it is to you. Like you just aren't ready to say, regardless of outcome. It's it's like there's a lot of options you see that he would get fired on, but it's not every single option. Yeah. All right. So walk me through then what issues. I mean, they've beat Brooklyn, who were the favorites in Vegas anyway. Who were the favorites? You know, they were a little banged up, but I'd argue Milwaukee by the end of the series is pretty exhausted themselves. What is it about Bud that, you, in your eyes, or plenty of people have issues with Bud, but what is it about Bud that you don't think is working out? Uh, a number of things. I don't think he's the best coach for Giannis. Um, like, like, don't get me wrong. I think in this days in NBA, you got to be able to shoot. But, like, why is Giannis taking six threes? Like, 
<laughs> like, I guess the Nets. Like, it's not like you're playing the 76ers where you got Embiid inside waiting for you. Like, who's their, who's their center? They John were, Jordan didn't play. They were playing Blake Griffin at center. <laughs> like, you telling me that he's the reason you're not going to the paint? Like, you're shooting threes. Um, I, I think that it, it's similar to Ben Simmons and Doc Rivers. Like, at some point, you have to, as a coach, you have to go, look, man, this is what we need you to do, and you got to do it. Like, you have to go in the paint and dominate. Um, I think it took them a little too long in this series to make adjustments, the way they, like, play defense against the, the Nets. I still think, I don't know if this is Giannis or the coach, but, like, the fact that Giannis barely guarded KD to me is ridiculous. I, I just think that he does, I think he does a good enough job, or a good job that, like, any average coach can do what he did with this team already. I don't think he's done anything exceptional with this Bucks team. Like, what has he done? Like, Giannis has been Giannis. Giannis has been the same player for three years. Like, he dunks the ball really hard. And he, he takes two steps from half court to dunk it. But, like, <laughs> Bud has not made this team better than the roster. Like, a good coach makes your team play better than they actually are on paper. I don't, I've never seen any signs. I've seen them play worse than they are on paper. Never better. I think that's fair. I also look at them and say I was high on them coming into the playoffs because I thought that they seemed to do some interesting experimenting during the regular season, right? So, like, they'd run lineups where Giannis was the five and Tucker was the four and Lopez was not playing. They ran lineups that were super huge where Tucker was, like, a three and Giannis was a two, and they'd have uh, Lopez and Portis out there. Like, And then in the playoffs, it seems like they've tightened the belt down and have not gotten to all that experimentation at all. And there were times I think it would have worked against Brooklyn, and I, I don't know why. I think if they lost against Brooklyn, they'd fire Bud, don't you? Oh, 100%. 100%. 100%. Especially because Kyrie's hurt. Like, you know, if you got... If Nets are healthy, like, you can't blame anybody for losing the Nets. I think I think the Nets are healthy, he still gets fired. It's because, like, it's been this many times in a row. But I don't think you can blame him for that because it's the Nets. But they're not healthy. So they should have beaten the Nets. So, assuming something goes wrong, because we were both, you know, pretty high on this, being an A, um, and he does get fired, that would be the eighth coaching opening thus far. Boston, Dallas, Indiana, New Orleans, Orlando, Portland, Washington, and we're projecting that it's title or bust for Bud and Milwaukee. I guess my first question for you would be, is there a coach on the market that you think would come in and do better than Bud? Because I, I agree that he, I've seen him very rarely exceed expectations, but is there someone out there that you think could? Uh, Jason Kidd. We know that, we know that he, uh, Giannis already likes Jason Kidd. Um, I think Jason Kidd was open to coming back. I think that would be that should be an option. Um, I think that Mark Jackson, looking at back what he did with the Warriors, like yeah, people criticize him because the Warriors got seemed to get way better. You don't just get that much better after one year without having some kind of development from your coaches. Like he made the Warriors play better than they were on paper. You know, I think that that he's good, he has a coach in a couple of years, but I think that that could be an option. Um, I would love to see Becky Hammond get a coaching job. Not necessarily. I think the NBA. I think one, she's done her time. Like we talk about all, the coaching tree and people like earning the spot she's done more and clearly earned a head coaching job in the nba it's just is the nba ready to do that um i, don't, I can't speak as much to her coaching ability because i haven't seen her as a head coach um but i think that she should she should be considered for that job as well if it is open um other coaches sam mcgunny's a no he, he's, he's just not <laughs> <laughs> more detroit talk. Um, i i will say the becky ham thing's interesting to me because budenholzer was a and i just looked it up to make sure i had the number right he was almost a 20-year assistant for Popovich in San Antonio, and then he went to be the head coach in Atlanta. Becky Hammond hasn't been there that long, but it would be a very similar deal, right, where 
you follow Pop, the Pop footsteps, the Pop outline, et cetera, the Pop coaching tree, going on to get this deal with Milwaukee. It's and it's another great small market team. And I think I think that like I mean I don't know what Boone must have not been taking notes when he was there because clearly he's not the same like <laughs> mindset as Popovich. Like he's not like Steve Kerr uh, worked out. He played with Popovich, but still like. Being around Pop should inspire you to make, be able to make in-game adjustments. Like, you see Pop job a time, play out of timeout, you know you're probably getting the basket there. Budenholzer didn't really, like, I was ever impressed. There was even a play last night um, where that, I think it was where, uh, it was right before KD hit that shot because they drew up a play for the ball to go inbounds to, like, Brooke Lopez. And I was like, why are you passing the ball to Brooke Lopez? And then he <laughs> like, took, yeah, he took the uh, shot clock expira- expiring instead of just, shooting the ball like <laughs> yeah that, yeah um I, I don't know what i don't know what that play and then katie comes down and hits what, what, what could have been the dagger it wasn't but like it's just like why why are you passing the ball to book lopez right now like you have chris Middleton, who's probably the best shooter on the team and i watched the play in slow motion from my eyes my very inexperienced coaching eyes it did not look like a play drawn up to get the ball to anyone but brooke lopez and so why why is that the guy you're getting the ball to this late in the game like when you're when you're assuming they're gonna follow you, why? I don't I don't get it. And so I don't think that he's shown me a lot as as a coach to, to make a team better. If they win a championship this year, it's not because he's a good coach. It's because other teams were hurt and because Giannis started realizing I should stop shooting threes. <laughs> well, and to be fair, a good coach would have told him that. I mentioned a couple guys that could fill these coaching jobs, and one guy I didn't mention who we kind of briefly mentioned earlier in the podcast is Rick Carlisle's free agent now. Rick Carlisle's a head coach, just left Dallas. Um, he's had success with international players, both in Dirk Nowitzki, and I'd say they had on-the-floor success with Luka Doncic, even if they don't get along great. Are any of these recently fired, because you mentioned Mark Jackson, Becky Ham's an assistant, any recently fired head coaches you think could fill in there if Bud were gone, or is this really time for some fresh blood? I think I think every coach that got fired this year was supposed to get fired last year. Or not, or not get a job in the first Like, Stephen Gundy didn't do a great job. Now, one year is a short time, but you shouldn't hire him in the first place. Scott Brooks <laughs> with the Wizards, like, the Wizards are, like, and part of it's, like, it's just it's just timing, like, right? The Wizards have been bad for you. It's not Scott Brooks' fault the Wizards are bad. The Wizards are bad because they don't have any good players besides Bradley Beal and Westbrook, like, with no help. And Westbrook is, I don't know that he gets you to the to, uh, far in the playoffs by himself. Or even with Bradley Beal, I don't think he does anything for you. And so I think that, like, it's the, the coaches that got fired, Terry Scott, like, no. I don't think any of those guys can go and do better than what they've already the Bucks are already doing. Like, if the Bucks don't win the championship, you're looking for a coach to take them over that hump. I don't think that anyone that got fired this year is that coach. Yeah, I, I think that there's several guys, especially, like, I don't know, the Bjorken thing in Indiana's its own nonsense, but, like, Stan Van Gundy's had a lot of chances, right? Scott Brooks has had a lot of chances. I, I kind of lean on some new blood, too. What do you think about, again, in our Clippers segment earlier, or I guess our Western Conference final segment earlier, I said I like some stuff Ty Lue's done earlier in the playoffs. What about his assistant, Chauncey Billups? Do you think that Chauncey's got anything going on, or is Chauncey still a little, still a little too fresh for the fresh blood movement? I think I think he's too fresh, but I think because of his NBA like his NBA resume, he'll, I think he, he'll, get at least, he'll, be, he'll be a finalist in at least two open jobs, if not getting one pretty early on. Um, just because of the teams he's been around, like the success he's been around, and because like he, he he was a player and a great player, and he was known for like being a coach on the floor somewhat to the Detroit Pistons. So he wasn't like as good as Chris Paul was as a coach on the floor, but he, he could think the game very well, and that was clear when he played in Detroit. And so I think that you got a guy like that whose name who's known as Mr. Big Shot, who's up for a coaching job. You he's gonna get a job 
not only because of his coaching ability, but also because of that name and the energy he brings to a team alone. So I do think he will get a job. I don't think he's – do I think he's done his time as much as other coaches? No, but that – I mean, Steve Nash didn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> he got a job. And frankly, he got a great job. He got to coach yes. two MVPs, a couple finals, uh, or I guess a couple championships. I got to ask, too, this is kind of you know behind the curtain a little bit, a question we debated even asking – if Budenholzer gets fired, is Milwaukee the best job available? Budenholzer gets fired? Uh, currently, as constructed, no. Well, it's, 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 it's them or the Celtics, I think. The Celtics' job is going to be a good job because you got a young star in Jason Tatum, a young, maybe probably another star in, in Jalen Brown. I think they need to add some pieces. I think it depends on – to answer that question, honestly, I need to see what happens over the offseason. Like, if some right moves get done, like – Portland, like let's say, like some somehow Carl Anthony Towns is in Portland and they keep CJ McCollum, that then might be that best job because you got a guy like Dame Lillard who's going to take you to at least the playoffs, and you got Cat and Collin to get you to the final. Like, I think right now it's constructed, it's a tie between them and the Celtics, but you got to live in Milwaukee, so really the Celtics. <laughs> Friends, that is another edition of FN Sports. Thanks for tuning in and grading all things NBA with us. If you'd like to hear more about the NBA, don't be afraid to pull up to our Belly Up Hoops show, The Midweek Midrange. Every Wednesday night, the Belly Up basketball team breaks down all things basketball at 9 o'clock Eastern time on YouTube and Twitter. Find The Midweek Midrange at Midweek Midrange on Twitter and Instagram. We also have a YouTube channel, The Midweek Midrange. Don't be afraid to pull up. As for me, my name's Parker Ainsworth. You can find my personal stuff at Painsworth512 on Twitter and Instagram. That's at P-A-I-N-S-W-O-R-T-H-512 on both Twitter and Instagram. This show has its own Twitter and Instagram. Find us on Twitter at FNSports2, all one word. That's at F-I-N-S-P-O-R-T-S, the number two, all one word. On Twitter and on Instagram, we're at F underscore N underscore sports. That's F underscore N underscore sports, all one word. Thanks again for tuning in to another week. Be sure to like, subscribe, download, share, do all the wonderful things that help support the podcast. And remember, when it comes to sports, don't flunk with us. Later, guys. Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Ooh, hold up. Just got a new sale. Order fulfilled and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world. Oh, you can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. 
With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors.